Before I get into today's episode, I just wanted to share a little message. You know, with all that's going on in the world with COVID-19 and the uncertainty that that's created and people being in quarantine, etc., I did just want to address it. It is a crazy time. There is a lot of uncertainty and there is a sense of anxiety and fear and the collective right now it's very much something that you can feel i think regardless of where you are in the world and i am feeling it too i i feel it i i'm feeling the anxiety and the sense of uncertainty and i did just want to address it you know and if that's something that you're feeling right now you know it's okay it is okay i think that that is very much the way that things are at the moment. And I do believe that this will pass. And ultimately, I believe that on the other side, things will be fine. But if you're feeling some fear, if you're feeling a little bit of anxiety or nervousness or just unsettled because of the uncertainty, I get it. I'm right there with you. I got a question from someone who asked me to sort of address, you know, dating you know, dating with coronavirus, essentially, like, what should you be doing right now? And first and foremost, listen to whatever the health officials in your local government are advising. So I think for very few people, is this going to be the time to go out and meet anyone? It's just not. And I get that if you are mostly healthy, it can just feel inconvenient, right? Like when you're wanting to meet your person, It's just like, wow, maybe a month where I can't even leave my house and meet people. But here's what I'll tell you. And this is the truth. When it comes to manifesting love, 97, maybe 98, 99% of the work that you're doing in manifesting love, you can do right now. The vast majority, the overwhelming majority of the work that you're doing to manifest the love of your life can be done at home, completely on your own. In fact, this is maybe the best time to focus on that. You know, if you feel like you want something to do, if you want something productive in your life, this is a powerful time for manifesting. I always talk about how we have to use both the energetic and the practical, but sometimes the energetic and the mindset part just isn't as fun. So if you've been a passive listener to the podcast and you haven't yet had the opportunity to really put these teachings into practice, to really dig deep into your own love blueprint, to do that work around clearing and releasing and clarifying what you desire and aligning with what you want, you have an amazing opportunity right now because you can do that from the safety and comfort of your own home. So, I mean, really... uh, I know it sounds a little bit funny, but that's the truth. You can use this opportunity to do a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of your manifesting. I, however, realize that many of you are at home right now. And, you know, some people it's like this is business as usual. You're working from home already or you're in a field where you're still working. You're a nurse or a doctor, in which case, thank you for all that you're doing and everything that you're, you know, putting out right now to sort of help everyone amidst all this craziness. But for those of you who are at home, I get it. It can be hard and weird. It's a weird to have a shift in your schedule like that. So I am going to be doing a free live series next week, this coming week, and it's called From Chasing to Cherished. So I'm going to be doing a live stream each day next week in my private Facebook group, Magnetizing Love. You will get the schedule, the times for all of the live streams, and you'll get reminders and access to replays once you sign up. So you can go to fromchasingtocherished.com and you'll get access to sign up for this series. It's going to be really, really juicy. I know that for a lot of you, this is a great time for you. You have just not a lot to do when you're sort of stuck at home. So this is going to be amazing for you and allow you to really dive in and do some of this work. Now, for those of you who know that you are ready to take your love manifesting to a deeper level, then maybe now is the perfect time for you to actually work with me in my signature program, The School of Manifesting Love. It is a six-week program, but if you are joining now and you happen to be off work and you have the time and you want to dig in, you can get access to everything immediately. So if that's something that appeals to you, what I suggest you do is 
go to magnetismformula.com. You can watch my workshop, get all of the information about the program, get really clear on what my foundational formula is. And if that's something that appeals to you, join the program. That way you can actually get coaching directly from me. For students who join the School of Manifesting Love next week, I have created a really special bonus. It's called Right to Love, and it's a 10-day intensive. Again, this is something I've been planning on doing for a while, but because I have so many students that are at home, this was the perfect time. So you're going to be getting 10 days of deep dive prompts that you can use for your journaling. There's going to be just exercises you can really dig in deeper. So this is going to be a brand new bonus that you're going to get to do along live with me if you join over the next few days. So if that's something that is speaking to you, if you're ready to get serious about your love manifestation, you can use this time for that. I absolutely love this program. My students get incredible, incredible results. And this bonus that I'm adding on, the Right to Love 10-Day Intensive, is just going to be out of this world amazing. So there are two ways that I can help you. So if you would like to join the series that's going to be starting on Monday, that's totally free, but you do have to register. You can do that at fromtracingtocherish.com. And if you already know that you're ready to work with me, you want that higher level attention, you want my actual step-by-step formula, go to magnetismformula.com. You'll get all the information on joining the School of Manifesting Love. So I'm thinking of you. I'm sending all of you well wishes. I hope that you are staying safe, you know, doing whatever the directives are where you are to just keep yourself protected, keep your loved ones protected. And I'm thinking of you, my heart's with you, and that's all I've got. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. I'll talk to you soon. You're listening to the Rise and Love podcast, where we believe that you get to have love and success in all areas of your life. Your host, Crystal Eram, will help you understand yourself, your relationships, and what's keeping you from having the love, relationship, and life you really want. Week after week, you'll have your mind blown as you learn from experts and listen in on honest conversations to experience mindset shifts and get practical instruction on how to use your mind to support you in getting everything you desire. We'll get to the heart of the matter when it comes to designing and elevating all aspects of love and life. Here's your host, educator, relationship coach, and lawyer, Crystal Eram. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Rise in Love podcast. I'm really excited for today's episode because we are diving into The Bachelor. Now, if you're an actual watcher of The Bachelor, then we are going to be using Peter's season as an example. Peter's season is the most recently ended season of The Bachelor. But here's what I'm going to tell you is what we're really looking at today is, yes, I'm going to use the examples of Peter and some of the specific women that showed up on his season. But these concepts are really applicable to you. That's what I always like to do is take these concepts and bring them down, you know, to earth in a way that you can actually use them and apply them to your own life. So even if you hate The Bachelor, even if you don't know who these people are, that's okay. You're still going to love this episode because we're going to dive in in such a way that you can really apply it to your own life. So I'm super excited for that. Before I even get into that, I just want to say for all of the people who have been listening, if you have been enjoying the podcast and you haven't yet had the chance to leave me a rating and review on iTunes, please do that. It means so much to me. It means so much to me as I'm creating this show, as I'm creating this content for you every single week to get that feedback. It's the best way for people to find out about the podcast is by seeing those ratings and reviews. So please leave me a rating and a review. It means everything to me. You know what else would be amazing is if, as you're listening, you would take a picture and share it on Instagram. Tag me at Crystal Eram. I just want to see that you're listening, and I will give you a shout out if you do. So, yeah, those are my asks for you. I would absolutely love it. I'd appreciate it so much. I also want to let you know that if you are ready to take this work with me a bit deeper than what you're getting on the podcast, and I know that there's so much on the podcast that I try to create really high value content, but if you'd like to take it deeper, I have a free masterclass that's available right now for a limited time. It's how I went from single to engage in less than a year using the four-step magnetism formula to call in love. So I will go ahead and leave a link for that in the show notes, but you can also just visit magnetism 
formula.com and sign up for this free masterclass. It is so, so good. I go through some of the biggest mistakes that women are making as well as my signature framework for calling in love. So it's a really powerful class. I think you're going to have a lot of shifts and you know, just open your eyes up in a really powerful way. So like I said, that class is available just for unlimited time and it is so, so good. And I really don't want you to miss it. So again, you can sign up for that at www.magnetismformula.com. Okay. So let's dive on in, right? Let's look at this. So some of the things that we're going to talk about are Peter's love blueprint, you know, what we're releasing from him. I'm also going to talk about two women that were his two finalists, the two women that he ended up with, and some of the things that I really noticed about them. But what I really want to start with are some of the overall problems that I have with The Bachelor. And I'm talking about The Bachelor, and I'm going to talk about some of the things that are more challenging with The Bachelor versus The Bachelorette, but just some things that you really want to look out for in terms of your energy and how you're dating and pursuing your relationships. So let's start with that, right? My biggest I mean, and there's this is a problematic show in so many ways, right? Because they're putting these women in... If, First of all, if you're not familiar with The Bachelor, I mean, I don't know how that can be. It's been on for so many years, but it's a show that's on ABC. It's extremely popular. And the concept is that there is one man, The Bachelor, and they start out with 30 women. And over a series of weeks, he eliminates the women for various reasons, just because he's not connecting with them. And then at the end, there is supposed to be a proposal. And, you know, there's a lot of problems with the show just because of the way that it's set up. But put that aside because everyone is an adult and they volunteer to go on the show. So what I do notice, one of the biggest problems to me in terms of the format of the show, and I mean this, The Bachelor as opposed to The Bachelorette. With The Bachelorette, it's the same concept except for it's a woman and there's 30 men pursuing her. Now, the problem with The Bachelor having 30 women is that the women are set up to pursue him. Yeah, he still sort of pursues them. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. But the overall mentality is that like all of these women want the same guy and they're chasing him. And what do I always say? Men do not fall in love with women they do not have to make an effort for. So that's the first thing is that like the women have already arrived. They already know who the bachelor is and they have already decided that they can see him as their husband. They've seen some of his qualities from his previous season, you know, as a contestant on The Bachelorette and have just decided like this can be my husband. And that's a huge problem. Energetically, that is a big problem. Whenever you are of the mind that this guy is it, I've already decided, it's really creating a sort of dysfunctional dynamic between you because he does not have the space to pursue you. He doesn't have the space to fall in love and he doesn't have to do anything. You have already arrived and that's a big problem. So it's like when you're dealing with 30 women who have already arrived, who have already decided that he's the one, that he's the perfect man, that he's the perfect man for them, it really, it just doesn't create the right dynamic. And we can see this because it's pretty rare that these relationships actually work out. And I do think that that is one aspect of it. And the other thing, though, is that the women who are still able to create space, who still sort of create a little bit of a chase for the bachelor are often the ones who do end up sort of winning him over. But we'll talk about that a little bit more as we get into some of the specifics of the women in this season. The other thing that I really notice, that I really, really notice, and this is really powerful for you to be aware of, is that especially at the beginning, the women very much blend together. Now, this is important because you need to know what makes you special. What actually allows you to stand out from other women, because here's what women do. They say, I'm attractive. I've got a great job. I've got a great car. I love my friends. I've got this beautiful home. You know, I'm kind. I'm loyal. They, they, they put these qualities and they say, this is what makes me special. This is what makes me a catch. But that is not true. That is how a lot of women are. And this is a really tough pill to swallow for a lot of women because 
they hold out their accomplishments, their achievements, all of these things that they've done as something that makes them special. And none of those are actually things that make you special. And once you're in a room with 30 other women who are also beautiful and have great jobs and who have great personalities, it's really apparent very quickly that those are not the things that will set you apart. You have to know what actually allows you to stand apart from other women and not about being superior. And that's the whole thing is that like women are great. Like women have a lot going for them. And a high value man, a man who is attractive and has a great job and has a great personality, he needs a lot of other women who have a lot going for them. So it's not enough to just say like, I'm smart and and pretty and I have a great job. It's not. But that's not a bad thing because that's not really who you are either. Like there's so much more to you than that. But that's what a lot of women lead with. If you don't know what you truly bring to the table, if you don't know what makes you special, if you don't know what is actually unique about you, that's going to hold you back when you're dating. Because if you don't know it, you're not going to convey it. It's not going to come across because you're going to keep trying to lead with all these things that don't make you actually special that aren't unique at all. So that is one thing that I really noticed, especially at the beginning of The Bachelor, because you've got all these women with so much going for them and none of them are actually standing out. You know, it was really kind of funny. In the first episode, there was a woman who was a flight attendant and she says, Peter's a pilot and I'm a flight attendant. So I know that this is really going to make me special. This is going to make me stand out. And then, of course, they sort of set it up this way because it's like she's saying that. And then we see two more women come in who are also flight attendants. And then they're like they get into the house and they're like, oh, there's other flight attendants here. So, again, it's like that's why you have to know what actually makes you special. Being a flight attendant is not going to be what makes you special if you're in a room with three other flight attendants. We also heard from a lot of women who, you know, are like, I'm really close with my grandparents. I love my family. My parents have a great marriage. You know, again, like loving your family doesn't make you special. It's great if you love your family. Sure, there are plenty of people who don't have great relationships with their families. But like, again, that is not going to be what makes you special. Your career path isn't what makes you special. Like what actually makes you special? It's got to go deeper than that. The third big thing that comes up really apparently and clearly on a show like The Bachelor is women doing too much. You know, they all have this shtick. They want to sort of stand out when they're first meeting The Bachelor. And so they do these over the top things. And it was really funny with Peter because he didn't remember, like he couldn't remember who did what, like he didn't, it did not actually help them stand out in his mind. So don't do that. Like you do not have to do so much. The only thing that's actually going to make you stand out is your energy and your personality and who you are and allowing that to shine through. Now, where this gets misinterpreted is that women who have like a smaller personality, women who are not loud or over the top, then make that mean, well, I'm going to try to be louder. I'm going to have to stand out with my personality. No, no, no. Whatever your personality is, is fine. You do not have to be loud. You do not. And if you are loud, if that is your personality to be sort of bubbly and over the top, like that can also be totally fine. It's about allowing that authenticity to just be there, to be comfortable in who you are, to be certain enough in who you are that you don't have to do so much trying to get a man's attention. So those are three of the things that are really straightforward that we see, especially in that first episode of every single season when the women are just making mistakes that we can all make in our lives on a smaller scale that I really want you to be aware of. Now, my overall thing with this season was I found it really annoying and frustrating to watch, honestly. Peter just really came across to me as a man who did not have much of a spine. He didn't have much clarity. And, you know, men who are strong in their masculine are often very clear. They're very, it's not hard for them to be clear on what they desire. So to me, when a man is being very wishy-washy, especially consistently as Peter was, it tells me that he's not strong in his masculine. He does not have clarity. He, he just doesn't have clarity. He just really came across as very spineless and weak a lot of the time. The other thing that was particularly striking about Peter that I had not seen was that Peter really, really leans into the women's drama. So it's like these women are all living in a house together, right? And, you know, it's almost inevitable that when you have 25 women in their 
20s that like there's going to be some drama. And, you know, the men deal with it differently. The different bachelors deal with it differently. But Peter really leaned into it more than I ever recall seeing. He also just tolerated it for a really long time. You know, one of the patterns I think we'll see is that when on the show is generally when there's a lot of drama, the guys will sort of take that to mean something and they'll eliminate those women. Peter didn't do that. I mean, the women who had drama, he sort of gave a lot of time and attention and energy towards. Um, He's not the only bachelor to have done this, but he really, it seemed like, took it to another level. That's how it felt to me that he just really was sort of encouraging and rewarding the drama to an extent. The other thing is that even in his interactions with the women, he seemed to really enjoy the drama. And it wasn't always drama. Sometimes it was just emotions. But he really, really leaned in when the women were expressing emotions. Now, on the one hand, it's nice to have a man that is able to tolerate a woman's emotions and can feel comfortable around it. But I do feel that Peter took it to an extreme where because he has this idea in his mind that he's romantic, that like a woman who the relationship is really hard, where it's really a struggle, where she's crying all the time, it's like as if that's a good thing. You know, to me, Peter's love blueprint is very much about like the drama. There has to be a lot of emotion. There has to be a lot of drama. And that seems like love. And I found it really annoying to watch. Like it just seemed silly. And the woman we saw this with the most would be uh, Victoria F. Victoria F. I mean, I think is really beautiful. She is stunning. And it was interesting because in her interviews, we saw this other side of her where she was really sassy, sometimes kind of bitchy, but like was very articulate, actually, and like had things to say and had opinions. And they showed it a little bit in like the bloopers at the end of the episodes. Also, when she had a date with him, that she did have personality. So obviously some of it's coming down to editing, but the material was there, right? Like the content was there that when she was with Peter, she turned it was very it was very dramatic every single time. You know, they had no clear communication. When there was a small issue, it always turned into a big fight. It's always her crying, saying, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, I'm so done with this, I'm so over it, I'm so done with this. But then like she wasn't ever actually done. And I remember just feeling like flabbergasted because at one point she said, you know, this is the hardest I've ever tried in a relationship. And I was like, bitch, really? This is the hardest you've ever tried? That is very, very concerning because it did not seem that she was trying at all. Now, again, I understand this could be about the editing, but like, really, there was no, there was just was no clear communication between them. And, um, you know, part of it is that just she's young and she hasn't learned how to clearly articulate her feelings and you know, she sort of shut down when she felt attacked or like she needed to defend herself. But Peter loved it. Peter just really, really leaned into that. And I think as a viewer, it really seems like she was sort of emotionally manipulating him. And he preferred that. Like, <laughs> she really made it very far. And whenever the women, you know, really got into their emotions and especially like over the top emotions, he was just like, yes. It's really interesting because at one point he was on a date with Hannah Ann and it was like, Hannah Ann, I'll talk about her separately, but like she did not feel it, it did not seem like she was feeling any emotions, but she saw what Peter liked to see. Peter liked seeing those emotions. And so she sort of forced herself to cry and be like, this is really hard for me. I'm having such a hard time. And she was crying. And Peter goes, this is what I like to see. And I was just like, boy, you are saying so much right there. Like, this is what I like to see. I like to see a woman crying. But it's true. Like, that is what feels like love to him. Like, for it to just be easy and smooth, he does not get that. So throughout the whole season, I was annoyed at Peter. I was annoyed at Victoria, but it was like Peter's the one who was really tolerating it. Um, So I just found their whole relationship annoying. But then as it gets to the end of the season, we meet Peter's mom in a more in-depth way. We actually met her right at the beginning, but we didn't see the whole, all the colors of Barb. But in the last episode and in the after the final rose, we saw Barbara and she was out in full force. And Barbara is a, she's a fucking mess. She is a mess. And this is the sort of thing where it's like, this is why you want to work on yourself throughout your life. Like, yes, my focus and like the thing I really like to help women with is calling in love. But this work that you're doing is going to have 
repercussions in every aspect of your life. Because you do not want to be like Barb, where you have a grown-ass son who is just so easily manipulated by women who are just using their emotions because that's what she does. Like, that's exactly what she does. And, oh my God, I she was, to me, the ultimate villain of the season. I could not stand watching her. And as much as I could excuse some of the women for this very sort of immature and over-the-top and theatrical and manipulative behavior, they were all young. So it's like, yeah, that shouldn't be an excuse, but it does sort of point to like, they can grow out of that. If they do the work, any of these women that are 23, 24, 25, like if they do the work, they can move out of that. That does not have to be who they are. Barb is grown. She is not growing out of that. That is who she is. And it's like, that's what she's, that's what she's doing to her son. She's passing that programming onto her kids. And you don't want to do that, do you? Like, (laughs) you don't want, you just don't want to do that. And I just felt like watching her. Things made so much, it just made so much sense. You know, there is a reason that he has that pattern and seeing his mother, it became very, very clear. She actually reminded me of um, Janina's mother on Love is Blind, where it was just like very much everything is about her. Everything is about her. And um, that's just not how it works. And it's really easy to see sort of how her self-centeredness and her way of relating is has really deeply impacted Peter and has likely impacted her other son as well. And it's sad. It's really unfortunate because I do think that Peter probably is a really good guy in a lot of ways. He seems like a very sweet person. And... I think it would have been nice to see him find love. Like, I feel like when we're watching a show like The Bachelor, as incredulous as you can be and as skeptical, like, it is nice to see people actually find love. And you watch the whole season and you sort of get invested in these characters. And it's disappointing. Like, it is it is sad. And I would guess that Peter has a lot of work to do before he's going to be ready for a real relationship. And I'm going to talk about what I think was sort of the demise of the relationship that would have been the best for him. But yeah. Barb is just every woman's reason for doing this work, you know. So if you've considered working with me in something like the School of Manifesting Love and you may be like, well, I don't know, or I know I need to do work on myself first, or maybe I'm already in a relationship. Here's the clearest argument I could ever make for just doing the work and diving in deep. Because yes, the outcome is that you're going to create that loving relationship, but there's so many other important things that come from doing that kind of work. So Let's talk about Hannah Ann and Madison. So those were the two women that the, 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 those were the final two, his two finalists, essentially. Now, I want to talk about Hannah Ann first. And we're actually going to talk about this using we're going to talk about manifesting and sort of a little bit more esoteric way of thinking about this. So here's some context. We're going to talk about the three paradigms of reality. OK, there's three paradigms of reality. There's doing, having and being. And the way most people focus on this is they think about having first. They say, when I have this particular thing, I will then do this particular thing and I will then be happy. So in a context like The Bachelor, that's like, when I have Peter, I will be happy. Okay? When we're manifesting, we look at it from the reverse, where you start by being. I am being the thing that I want to be, and then I know which actions to take. So I'm going to do certain things and then I will have it. Okay. So this is sort of the manifestation way of looking at it is that you are going to be first. Now, the way that most women on the show approach and the way that most women approach dating in general is they say, I don't have the love that I want, or I don't have Peter. What can I do to have Peter? Once I have Peter, I will be happy. That's how most of the women enter the show. Now, Hannah Ann did not do that. I actually took notes throughout the season. I thought I was going to write more posts or do another podcast like throughout. And I just I didn't feel inspired to it. But I was looking back at my initial notes. And so here's what I wrote when I was watching the first episode. In her initial interview, when she's at home with her family, Hannah Ann immediately stands out for her beauty in a show overrun with beautiful women. 
But what really makes her stand out is that she says something along the lines of maybe we'll just meet the first night and he'll put everyone else aside. I said it's clear she's going to make some enemies in the house, but she is the closest we have seen to someone who is operating from a place of being. Hannah Ann is not focusing on, I don't have Peter. She is thinking, I have Peter. And she operates accordingly. She steals him away multiple times, even as other women whine about the fact that she's already had so much time with him and they've had none. Even when she's confronted by a woman who's upset that she hasn't had any time with Peter at all, and she wants to get to know him, Hannah Ann responds in her sweetest little southern drawl with this very sweet smile, I want that for you too. I said, this bitch is crazy and I'm here for it. Peter is going to love her and I think the other women are not. So that's what I wrote during the very first episode when I was when I was watching this. And it was very true, right? Hannah Ann really operated from the place of like, he's mine. This is my boyfriend. And so I don't really care about like the time that the other women have with him. She didn't do it in a super aggressive way throughout the whole season, but she did do that. And that was very much her stance. And so Hannah Ann was operating from this being paradigm. I think that that is the best thing that we can learn from her. I know that a lot of people sort of liked that she told Peter off during the After the Final Rose. I was not particularly impressed by that. To me, that very much struck me as like a woman who wrote out a speech and practiced it a million times to make sure it could be delivered in a certain way. Like to me, that was like she's auditioning for The Bachelorette next season. Fine, you do you. But like to me, that wasn't any great empowerment thing you know, her yelling at him and calling him out because it's like you accepted a proposal from him. So if you had all these doubts about how he was as a man, then you shouldn't have done that. Like I, I, I'm not really, I mean, you know me now, you've heard me talk enough to know that I'm not one for like tearing men down to size or ripping him a new one or anything when you're trying to emasculate men. Like why? How is that good for you and your relationship with men? So I'm not into that. I felt like that was a very deliberate attempt at emasculating him and I didn't like it. But I did like that throughout she was really operating from this being paradigm. Okay, so why did it not work out? The reason it didn't work out was because it wasn't coming from a sincere place. It was coming very much from her ego. She went on the show with this mindset of, I'm going to win this guy. And, you know, you could ask my husband because when I see proposals, like there is nothing that moves my heart deeper. Like I don't think I have ever seen a proposal and not cry. And Ladies, I'm talking about even on things like 90 Day Fiance when they have the proposals. I can watch a whole season of a show and be like, I hate these people. They're so annoying. They're horrible. And I watch them get engaged and I cry. <laughs> like, I just, I, oh, proposals are just, oh, they just really get me. When I watched this proposal, I felt nothing because there was nothing really there. Their connection felt very shallow, very, very surface. I think that Hannah Ann is beautiful. I think she's sweet and fun, and it was probably easy to be around her, but there was nothing there. And not to say there was nothing there on her part. I'm not saying she's a shallow person. I'm saying that for whatever reason, there was no connection between them. I didn't feel it. I don't think most people felt it. I really don't think she felt it. You know, when I was watching the proposal, I really just got the sense that she was like, I won. Yes, I won. I won. I won. Like, that's how it felt to me that like she just won a contest. And she was like, I can't believe I actually won. It wasn't like, oh, I found my person. The love of my life wants to be with me. I'm so happy. I can't wait to spend my life with this person. It was like, I just want a prize. My prize is this Neil Lane ring. Like, put it on me. I am so pumped for like this beautiful ring that I'm going to wear. And I do feel that she would have stayed in the relationship. Like, to me, it felt like she was like, Okay, I've won this prize. Great. Um, this person will do. Great. I'm going to build a home with him. We look perfect together. We're going to have the most perfect home together. We're going to have beautiful kids together. And everything's going to be perfect. And I'm going to be an amazing Instagram influencer. And I'm going to take over the world from here. Like, it just felt very, like, orderly. Like, it all fits into her plan. And I think, I mean... That's really just how it seemed to me. Now, I don't know. Maybe she felt some deep, deep feelings for him in like a really profound way. That wasn't my sense at all. And then even when they had their breakup, it wasn't like, wow, I'm breaking up with my fiance. This is devastating. Breaking off an engagement 
is a big deal. And that is something that would cause a lot of pain and hurt. And it's like, you know, all of your hopes and dreams for the future are sort of being dashed with that. And that was not her reaction at all. And I'm not to say that there's only one way you can react. People can react in a billion different ways. It just felt very surface. It just felt very surface. It felt like, now I've been engaged before, and that was not part of my plan. You know, like, that's how it felt. Like, oh, Peter, you're going off script. How rude. It didn't seem like there was real hurt, maybe some embarrassment or, like, humiliation or irritation, but not hurt or, like, I love this man and he's choosing someone else and, or like, I love him and he doesn't love me. Like, it just does not seem like love factored into it at all. So she manifested this man. She definitely did. We saw it from the beginning because she was very clear. She manifested him, but there was not real heart and feeling behind it. And so it didn't last. Like it wasn't, it was coming from her ego self. There it is. That's what it is. It was really coming from her ego self. And with something like love, talking about creating a commitment with someone, it's got to be deeper than that if it's really going to last. I think the other thing with Hannah Ann is sort of what I was mentioning before, that there wasn't really space for him to pursue her. She was there. She was there from the beginning. Yeah. And that was it. Like, it just felt very surface. I don't think it got deep enough. Even their chemistry, you know, they're both quite attractive. I do think that Hannah Anna is particularly beautiful, even compared to the other women on his season, who I also think were very beautiful. Like, I think he had a pretty gorgeous group of women. And he's quite attractive, especially if you like pretty boys. Like, he is very pretty. Not my type, but he's definitely attractive. Yeah, he's very pretty. And it just felt like the chemistry was not there. You know, even seeing his chemistry with some of the other women and particularly seeing his chemistry with Hannah Brown, whose season he had originally been on, it just didn't feel like it went and didn't go beyond the surface. So those are my thoughts on Hannah Ann. I trust Hannah Ann is going to do just fine. I feel like this girl is going to come out on top. She is definitely a good manifester. And I think especially if she can take it to a deeper level where she's actually getting clear on like what she truly desires rather than just like, what's going to look good or what's going to expand her influencer career. I think she, yeah, I think she can do all sorts of things. Now, Madison is the other one. Madison was the woman who, I don't really know, how would you consider having her having place? Like came in second? Super unclear. Madison left, left him. And then they sort of wanted to give it another go, but whatever, it was too late. But Madison was really interesting. Madison was the front runner throughout the entire season. And I really feel like Peter wanted Madison. And I think that if Peter, I think Peter made a big mis- misstep. I think he really misstepped in a big way. And if he hadn't, I think that he probably would be in a relationship with her. But I do also think that people get what they believe they can have, what they're worthy of. And so ultimately, I wonder if you know, there are some worthiness issues still there where it's like he doesn't really believe that he can have what he wants. So throughout the season, Peter kept saying, you know, my worst fear, my biggest fear, the thing I'm most afraid of is that I get to the end and I'm with someone who doesn't really want to be with me. He said that so many times. And I think that's a pattern. I think that they always sort of talk about their worst fears. But his worst fear happened. You know, the woman that he cared for the most left. And he made several big mistakes. I think he made a mistake proposing to Hannah Ann. I don't think that his feelings were there. And I think he probably should have just gone after Madison. That's the one who really cared for him. But let's talk about Madison from the beginning. So from the beginning, so I also wrote this down during the first episode. Madison had a kitschy entrance. I'm, I'm not into that. I think that's annoying to me. It's like it's doing too much. So Madison had a kitschy entrance. She like had some big paper airplane that she like put around like it was like huge. And she like came in with this paper airplane, whatever. But this stood out to me during the very first episode, because when they were talking, she says to him, tell me something interesting. Tell me something interesting. And it's a really simple question, right? Like that doesn't even really mean much. But in a show where a man is being pursued by 30 women, she put the impetus on him to be interesting. Okay, so it's like 
I don't know if she was doing this deliberately, if this is just how she operates, but she set herself up as the prize. And it's like, yes, I'm in this situation where there's 30 women and we all want you. But if you want me, you're going to have to tell me something interesting. You're going to have to earn my interest, my attraction. Like, it's not just here. Like, I'm not giving it to you willy nilly. And that's a powerful thing. So, you know, not to read too much in this sentence. I'm not saying, oh, use this sentence on all your dates. It was the energy behind it that that's even what she thought of saying. No one else said that to him. You know, they're coming in saying, oh, I love my parents so much. I love my grandparents so much. It's really important to me to give back to the world and all these different things. And she's saying to him, tell me something interesting, which I was just like, oh, that is good, girl. So I I, I had written that down. And then the other thing that was really funny was that at some point when they were talking, she says to him, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. I don't remember what the context was. I just wrote down, I'm impressed. Again, it's she's saying, you have to impress me. Whereas all the other women are trying to impress him. She's saying, you have to impress me, but you just did something that impressed me. He is like probably feeling like, oh, I just got points with her. Like, what else can I do to get points with her? How else can I impress her? How else can I show her that like I want her? I want her. She's the prize. So I thought that was really interesting. Another thing that really stood out to me is during the season, I don't remember what exactly was going on, but I remember that it was at the point when there was a lot of drama in the house and she was on a group date. Madison was on a group date. There was a bunch of other women on the group date. And Peter pulled her aside and he had planned something special for her. And I'm I'm totally blanking on what it was now. I can't remember if he had, I don't remember what it was. But anyway, he had thought of her and he had pulled her aside. He had asked the producers to do something for her. I can't remember if they had like a bottle of wine or whatever. It was something where he wanted to make her feel special. And I was just like, oh, he likes her. This is his favorite. And it was early on in the season. There were still a bunch of women left. But it makes sense, right? Like when you're dating people, you know, when there's someone who's really like you're feeling more strongly about. And I was just like, he is, he likes this woman because there was no other time where he had done that. Throughout the whole season, there was nothing else where he really planned something deliberately for one woman and pulled her aside to do that, especially not on a group date. He liked her. He was trying to make her feel special. And it was because she was not, she had not arrived. She was still expressing that she liked him, but she was not throwing herself at him. She was not, she hadn't decided that she loved him right away. And the bottom line is that Madison has standards. She had high standards. And I think especially on a show like this where we don't see that much, it probably felt very unique to him, very different. And he wanted to meet those standards. Madison had high standards. And, you know, she, Madison is a virgin and she had decided to save herself from marriage. And Peter is definitely a sexual person. We saw that on the previous season when he was on The Bachelorette. He's a sexual person. We see that with the way that he interacted with the women on his season as well. Like he's a sexual person. And Madison was a virgin. It was very important to her that she wait until marriage. That is a standard for her. Now, she had a lot of flack because some people, before the fantasy suite dates, um, she told him, you know, it's really important to me that she didn't tell. I don't think she said that she was saving herself for marriage, but she told him that, you know, if you slept with one of the other women, it would be very hard for me to move forward. And a lot of people, including the other women, when they found out about it, really took that as an ultimatum. They said he's giving her an ultimatum. Peter's mom definitely interpreted it as an ultimatum. And that was part of why I think that she didn't like Madison. But to me, that's not an ultimatum. To me, that was setting standards. And yeah, they don't look so different in that sort of situation. But you always get to say, here's what will happen if this happens. And you always get to say, if this particular thing happens, I will walk away. Is that an ultimatum? Maybe, maybe not. But like your power and empowerment as a woman, especially if you're a woman who's very much in her feminine, is never saying you have to do this thing. I demand that you act a certain way. It's saying if this particular thing happens, here's what my action will be. I actually think that she handled that in a very classy, elegant way. And that's all she did. She didn't say you can't sleep with them. She said, if you sleep with them, it will be hard for me to move forward. And yeah, she was in a really bizarre situation because she's on The Bachelor. Most of us aren't dating on The Bachelor. We're not getting engaged on The Bachelor. But 
she's like, this is my life too. And I'm not going to get engaged to someone who slept with someone else, you know, five days prior. Fair, you know, fair. I don't know that Madison was made for reality TV. I don't know that it was the right thing for her. But for her to set her standards and say, this is what I require. And if it's not met, then I'm going to leave. Good on her. I think we all need to have standards that we can stick by. And I actually thought that was really, really powerful. So in this particular situation, I think that Peter made a mistake. Now, you know that I don't like to dwell on the mistakes of men because I always like women to take responsibility for themselves. But in this situation, watching the way that this played out with these, you know, characters, and I'm I'm saying characters because I, I don't know the whole picture, but we're watching a show. And so I get to see them as characters. With these characters, it seemed very very clear to me that Madison was the woman that he loved and wanted to be with. And she told him what would happen if he took a certain action. And I think that he made a mistake. I don't feel that he was going to choose Victoria or Hannah Ann. I don't think he was going to. But he wanted to sleep with them. Why? Because they're both beautiful and sexy and he thought it would be fun. And it may have been. I'm sure it was fun. Like, I'm sure he had a grand old time. So, you know, I guess, good for him, enjoy. And I certainly don't blame either of them. They were pursuing the relationships. And so if they felt like that's where their relationships were, then that was the right thing for them to do. I think that he knew he wanted Madison and he thought because he was the bachelor, it would be okay. And it wasn't. She had expressed what her standards were and she chose not to continue. I mean, she tried to continue for a little bit, but that felt like too much for her to let go of that. And I think good on her. So, yeah, I think that he made a mistake. And I think that knowing what he knew, which as I'm viewing it, looks like he knew that Madison was the one was the one he was going to propose to. He should have kept it in his pants. I think that he made a mistake. And I think that that really just changed the trajectory of the end of his show in a really negative way, unfortunately. So I think that was his first mistake. I think his second mistake was not just going after her when she left. I think it was really not the right move to propose to a woman that it didn't seem like he loved who I don't really think loved him, but if you're devastated over someone else, it's not the right time to be getting engaged. And even for him to say, Hannah Ann, I want to pursue a relationship with you, but I'm not ready to get engaged would have been much, much smarter. And, you know, he just wouldn't look like such an idiot. Like, I think he just didn't come out looking the best. And I think that he's a decent guy, but I I think that he just, he has a lot of growing up to do. That's really how it seemed more than anything else, that he does have a lot of growing up to do. And he just has a hard time sort of trusting himself, knowing what he actually wants. Or not knowing what he wants. Like, I think he knew what he wants, but like, he can't trust it. But I got to say, you know, I think that Hannah Ann and Victoria and Madison all are better off because he's probably not ready. He thinks that he is. And... You know, maybe if he were in the relationship with the right person, he would find a way to step up further. But it's hard to be with a man who doesn't have any clarity or certainty. It doesn't feel good. Like you want a man who you can trust and who can trust himself. And you can't really trust a man who doesn't trust himself. (laughs) Like there's a big gap there. And I do believe that a part of the reason he doesn't trust himself is because, you know, his mom doesn't really allow him the space to do that. When we saw his mom, she loved Hannah Ann. She loved her. She was like, oh, my new daughter. I'm so excited. She was like, well, welcome her with open arms. She was all about Hannah Ann. I think part of it was because Hannah Ann really wanted to please her. And she just seemed sweet as could be. And Hannah Ann was not going to challenge Barb's position as like the top woman in his life. Like if Barb said something that went against Hannah Ann, Barb would win. Madison is much stronger. And I think that even though Barb said that there were these other issues, I think that was probably part of it as well. And even if that was subconscious, like she felt like her authority and her position and her son's life would be threatened with a woman like Madison. And I think that that's probably true. I think that Madison is strong, but I think that Peter being with a woman like Madison would have wanted to step up more to be the right man for her. Like, I think he would have really wanted to be a better man and would have done everything he could to become that person who was right for her. And I think Barb knew that too. And I don't think she liked it. But regardless, Barb was really inappropriate. Like, 
the way that she was treating him and sort of like, you have to do what makes me happy. That's a mother-in-law from hell. Like, you do not want that as your mother-in-law. And even though she liked Hannah Ann, it would have been hell for Hannah Ann, too, because at some point they're going to disagree about something. And that is not fun. I mean, that is not a good position to be in. Like, you do not want a mother-in-law like that. Like, what a nightmare. She's overly involved. She thinks that her opinion is the only one that should matter. And that is going to be a hard situation to really make a relationship work. It's a hard thing. You do not want to come between a man and his family, just like you don't want a man coming between you and your family. But when it comes down to it, you and your husband are going to be a unit. And if his mother is not cool with that, if she's going to be trying to break up this unit or try to make sure that he is a unit with her, ugh, what a nightmare, right? So I think they all sort of dodged bullets there. I think that if Peter had kept it in his pants, things would have been very different. I think if Peter weren't, I think if Peter felt more sure of himself, you know, in a couple of years, hopefully he'll be in a different place. Hopefully he'll grow more into himself and he'll get more comfortable standing up to his mom. He did finally stand up to his mom at one point because she was crying and crying. It was like this whole thing. And he was like, mom, stop. Like, you have to stop this. This isn't helping me. And it's actually making me feel really bad. And she didn't really want to hear it, but I was just like, good job, Peter. Like, do more of that. His mom is horrible. She was a real nightmare. And you can tell that he's not used to standing up to her. He did when he really had to, but it's not something he's comfortable with. It's not something that he's had enough practice doing as of yet. But I think before he can be married, that'll be something that he's going to have to sort of master because his mom is a real nightmare. Uh, Okay, so here's one other thing about Peter and mom. You know, I hope that seeing the way that it played out and sort of seeing the way that he came across on TV and the role that his mom was playing, like, I hope for him that that creates a new level of awareness for him. Because, yeah, his mom definitely did a number on him. She's a mess. She's an absolute mess. And I feel for him on that. But once you're an adult, you have to take responsibility for yourself. So, It's not enough to say my mom or my dad or any other person had this effect on me. So that's the way that I am. And like, that's it. No, that may be. But once you're an adult, it's your responsibility to change your own patterns. So, yeah, his mom created some really ugly patterns in him. But like, it's not enough to just say like Barb's psycho. So Peter's going to be weak and unclear. No, like he's an adult now. He has to make better decisions. He has to be willing to step out of the patterns that he has. You know, it's his responsibility now to upgrade his own love blueprint if what he wants is a real relationship. Now, obviously, some people don't do that. They create real weird dysfunctional relationships with people and, you know, onward. But it's not enough to just recognize that someone has done a number on you. You still have to take responsibility. You have to take your power and say, yes, this did happen. And I get to choose something different going forward. So I just wanted to make that caveat in case you have a mom that's like Barb or a dad that's like Barb or whatever it is. It's not enough to just say like, oh, my parent is horrible or my primary caregiver or whoever it was. You still have to do the work to evolve and to change and to become that next level version of yourself. Um, If that's something that you would like help doing, that's what I do. That is what I do with my students is help them step into that next level versions of themselves. We upgrade their love blueprint. We get clarity on what they want. And then we help them magnetize it. So those are my thoughts on The Bachelor and particularly Peter's season. I'm sure I'll talk about The Bachelor again. Oh, you know what? I'll actually give my preliminary thoughts on The Bachelorette because I did see that that is that is starting. So they did announce the next Bachelorette and they sort of broke out of the mold a little bit because they didn't choose someone from Peter's season. Often they choose someone from the previous season. They chose a woman named Claire and Claire is 38. So she is the oldest Bachelorette they've had. And a lot of people had been calling for that because the women and men that we've been seeing recently have been very young. So there's been a lot of just sort of immature drama because they are very young. You know, there were several women on this season who were 23. I think there was even a 22-year-old. So it's just, it's very young for something like this. Not to say that a 22 or 23-year-old doesn't ever have maturity. Of course not. I'm not going to say that at all. But when it veers younger, you're going to have younger things that come up, issues that younger women deal with more. 
Claire's 38. And so the idea being that she's more serious about actually having love. She's not just trying to, you know, grow her career as an Instagram influencer, but she really wants a chance at love. I don't really, I didn't watch Juan Pablo's season. That's whose season she originally participated on. I watched it a little bit. I don't remember being particularly fond of Claire. I don't remember her standing out in my mind. What I've seen from her, she seems fine. I, I'm, I can't say I'm like a huge fan at this point, but we'll see. But, you know, what's already irritating me is that Claire's 38 and they released the men that are her bachelors and they are young. I counted, I think there was 30 of them and it was like maybe 20 something of them were in their 20s. And I was just like, seriously, ABC, why are you doing this to her? Like, to me, that just really felt like they were setting this woman up for failure. One of the men is 23, and she's 38. That's a 15-year age difference. I'm just, ugh, I'm so annoyed. I'm like really annoyed. I just feel like they're not setting her up for success. A man who's 23, 24, 25, 26, he's in a totally different place in his life than a woman who is 38. I feel like the majority of her men should be at least in their 40s, 43, 44, 45, 46, a couple that are right around her age, and then, you know, four or five who are between like 29 and 37. And so I'm just like, I don't know why they're doing that to her. They're in a different place in their life because, you know, a woman who's 38, she's going to be looking for different things than a woman who's 23 or 24 or 25. And that's not saying one is better than the other. They're in different places in life. And I just think that there's going to be a lot of issues that come up. And it's it's it makes me sad for her and for the way that this whole season's going to go. So yeah, that's my initial thoughts on that. I'd love to hear from you. What are your thoughts on it? I'm pretty disappointed. I I do think that age matters. Not that it always has to matter, but I would be just as, you know, disgruntled if they had a bachelorette who was 23 and they had mostly men that were like 38, 39. You're in different stages of life entirely, different stages of life. And it's not even about maturity per se, but like a man who's 23, he could be just out of college. This is a woman who hasn't been in college for what, 15 how many oh my god I can't do math 16 years like 16 17 years she's been out of college it's a very different place and I think for a woman who's serious about settling down a 25 year old is not likely to be it are there men that are much younger that do settle down yeah of course it can happen but it's going to be a specific type you know we spoke about this when I was talking about love is blind with Jessica and Mark and Mark is a little bit of an exception because he comes from a culture where men get married very young. And he was really very sort of open and, and willing for that. But just like your average American secular guy who doesn't come from a culture that gets married young, it's not generally the case. And it's especially not with a woman that much older than him. You know, there is still a stigma around it. And it is not that common for a man to consider seriously committing to a woman who is a lot older than he is. Now, of course, it does happen. And of course, people can have really happy relationships if that's the case. But as a general rule, that's not common. So for them to set that up where most of the men, that's going to be the case. I don't see how that's ideal for her. I just I'm annoyed. I just feel like they're not thinking about her and like what's ultimately in her best interest. Maybe she said her preference was for men that are a lot younger than she is. But that, to me, would then reflect that maybe she's not that serious because it's not super likely that that's going to work out. I think that a big age gap like that is really going to be on a case-by-case basis, whether it's going to be successful. I think also if you're looking at a man who's 38 and a woman who's 23, it's a big age difference. They're in different life places. I mean, that to me is even more problematic for various reasons, but I won't get into that. That's not really what we're talking about today. But yeah, those are my some preliminary thoughts. You know, I heard that they're actually postponing starting the shooting because of the coronavirus. And I was like, I hope this means they're going to have a chance to do some recasting and get some men that might be more appropriate and give her a better chance at actually connecting with some people that are in the same stage of life as she is and maybe even further along. You know, because also men often prefer a woman who's a few years younger. So even the guys that are like 37, 38, I just think it's a tough go. I, I'm I'm bummed for her. So maybe they'll straighten it out. They have a little bit of extra time. So yeah, there are my thoughts on The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. I'll talk about The Bachelorette once it finally comes out. And yeah, let me know your thoughts. I want to hear from you on Instagram. Tag me, you know, as you're listening to the episode and, you know, DM me. Tell me what you're thinking about it. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I certainly enjoyed watching The Bachelor and sharing my thoughts with you. And uh, yeah. 
I will speak to you again soon. I have an amazing new resource for you, and I am so thrilled to finally be able to share it. I have created a quiz so that you can find out what your love type is. This quiz is going to take you just a few minutes, and by answering some questions, you'll get a better understanding of what some of your biggest blocks to calling in the relationship you most desire are so that you can clear them. Not only are you going to find out what your love type are, but I'm going to give you personalized recommendations for resources that'll really help you move along your journey so that you can call in the love you most desire. You can check the quiz out by visiting bit.ly slash love type quiz. Again, that link is bit.ly slash love type quiz. And of course, I will link it in the show notes. Be sure to check that out. Thanks for listening. Check out the show notes and be sure to tune in next time to the Rise and Love podcast. 